Hello, my friends, and welcome back to The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 80, um, season two. We're now in the fifth week of Easter. Um, this is my first podcast after last Monday. It's been a week since I uh, since I did a podcast. Um, sorry about that. Uh, had to go back to work. And, um, and I live in New York, <clears throat> Brooklyn, and um, it was a very strange. Um, when I planned my vacation, uh, way before all this, um, coronavirus outbreak came down, uh, it was basically, I wanted to plan it just around the time of Easter because Easter is the time I really want to, uh, take the time along with my mom and, uh, enjoy Easter and try to really focus on it. And, uh, well, this year it didn't happen the way we uh the way I planned it. Uh so um going back to work was uh very strange. Very strange indeed. Um subways was empty during the weekday. Uh went back on a Tuesday and um the buses were empty. Uh I used to take a, a train and then a bus and then finally get to the upper east side to my job. I work at a cultural institution and um, it was a ghost town, a complete ghost town. Um, the workplace was a ghost town, not um, it, it was usually it's usually filled, filled with people. And unfortunately, um, uh, it's not uh, it's just really weird. Uh, the area would be filled with tourists. Uh, we would get tourists from all over the world. And unfortunately, um, it's not like that. It's uh, dead. We would have uh, people lined up waiting to be opened. It's a museum. I work at a museum. And uh, it's just packed with people, but it's not. This time of the year, uh, Central Park, I mean, there are people still walking around. That's for sure people doing their exercises and there are some people uh avoiding what do you call the so-called social distancing i think people are having are having enough of it but it's just dead a ghost town and uh i'm more worried about my co-workers uh who are not working right now and how long everything will be shut down it will be harder to open up because uh we're we're actually we're it's proving to us how fragile we are during this time of, uh, how fragile we are in the sense that how everything can get shut down so easily. It's a domino effect. And, uh, what I'm more bothered is at, I know some people want to believe it's for the health and well being of everybody, but there's a lot of, uh, political malice and motivation going on about this. Because there are people who are willing to hurt people who are financially fragile, uh, who we still have to pay our bills. You still have to pay your rent. You still have to pay your medical bills. You still have to take care of your family. And there are people using this as political malice, as a weapon. They're weaponizing it. And that's where the part is scary 
because those who are using this for uh, political means are willing to hurt uh, people, willing to hurt uh, the average, because the ones who are in power are the ones who don't care. They're, they're financially fine. They'll survive. But the rest of us who don't, who are not in political power, all right, who have to live uh, week by week, month by month, from paycheck to paycheck, uh, don't have that advantage. And that's where it's sad. That's where it's really sad about this. And you got to look at those who are in power. Yeah, it's politically motivated. Anyway, um, let's begin. Uh, I have something to read to you from um, the news. Um, so let's start with a prayer first. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us and forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri Elision, Christe Elision, Kiri Elision. And I'm going to read the Gloria. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world. Receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ. With the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So, uh, before I begin, I'm going to read um, the first part of the Mass. Uh, this is going to be from the Book of Acts. And uh, what I'm going to do is, uh, I'm going to read everything, and then uh, we'll go into the news report. That's how we're going to do it, since I'm not going to be able to do this all the time. So, might as well, uh, why, why not mix it a little bit, right? All right, so let's begin with the uh, the book of Acts. There was an attempt, uh, this is from Acts, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 14, verse 5 to 18. This is the fifth week of Easter. There was an attempt in uh, Iconium by both the Gentiles and the Jews, together with their leaders, to attack and stone Paul and Barnabas. They realized it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lasteria and Derby, and to be and to the surrounding countryside where they continued to proclaim the good news. At Lasteria there was a crippled man, lame from birth, who had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, who looked intently at him and saw that he had the faith to be healed, and called out in a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet, he jumped up and began to walk about. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they cried out in the, in the, in Lyconian, 
the gods have come down to us in human form. They called Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance in the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, for he, together with the people, intended to offer sacrifice. The apostles, Paul uh, and Barnabas, tore their garments when they heard this and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We are of the same nature as you, human beings, who proclaim to you the good news that you should turn from these idols to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations he allowed all Gentiles to go their own ways, yet in bestowing his goodness he did not leave himself without witness, for he gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons and filled you with nourishment and gladness for your hearts. Even with these words they scarcely restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now uh, the response to the psalm. Not to us, O Lord, but to your name give the glory. Alleluia. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Why should the pagans say, where is their God? Not to us, Lord, but to your name give the glory. Alleluia. Our God is in heaven. Whatever he wills, he does. Their idols are silver and gold, the handiwork of men. Not to us, Lord, but to your name give glory. Alleluia. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Heaven is the heaven of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the children of men. N not to us, Lord, but to your name give the glory. Alleluia. Okay, and now the gospel. Uh, it'll be from John chapter 14, verse 21, 26. And I'm sorry I didn't read, didn't tell you, but the response to your psalm is Psalm 115. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me. Whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. Judas, not the Iscariot, said to him, Master, then what happened that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, yet the word you hear is not mine but that of the Father who sent me. I have told you this while I am with you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have told you. The Gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, um, what exactly happened this week? Well, interesting to note, here in the United States, 
um, appears some bishops. This is a report from Church Militant. Uh, May 7th, uh, 2020, that was last Thursday. Uh, I know because uh, the schedule for me to go back to work was on a Friday. Uh, but I went back to work earlier on a Tuesday. So <laughs> I can keep track of things like this. I have to, so obviously. So this is from Bradley Eli from Church Militant. And it appears that some U.S. bishops... Now, there's division between the U.S. bishops now. A lot of the U.S. bishops uh, who uh, who want to stop this communion in hand. They're using this coronavirus uh, to really enforce the changes that they wanted. Now, back in the 1970s, uh, there was at least uh, one particular bishop who's notorious. I mentioned his name, but right now I can't think of his name right now, unfortunately. Um, I think... Bernadine. I'm sorry. Bernadine. Bernadine and a few others took advantage of changing the whole liturgical uh, observation. Uh, up to some point in the 1970s, uh, they took a vote to stop, at least right before the 80s started, to stop um, communion in hands. I know because supposedly the rumor has that Bernadine died from AIDS and he was a notorious pedophile and a homosexual and supposedly a secret Satanist. He was an occultist. Now, I know it sounds completely, uh, I guess you can say, conspiracy theory, but we have um, a lot of, a lot of uh, reports, even though we don't have actual facts, but Bernadine was involved with some sick people. One of his protégés was... Theodore McCarrick, all right, and his victim, Theodore McCarrick's victim, who is uh, still with us this day, got molested by Bernadine and McCarrick at the same time, all right, so he reported that McCarrick and him were both involved in Aleister Crawley's cult, which was a sex cult, these guys took advantage at the time to vote, and Bernadine manipulated the elect the vote to approve communion in the hands. And me, and even McCarrick was his protege. That means many other men were proteges, and the successors of those men today are proteges of Cardinal Bernadine. And obviously, McCarrick is one of the last of Bernadine's protégés from that generation. Well, the U.S. bishop, now it's starting to show because this coronavirus is putting a lot of stress on the church. And I'm quite certain, not just here, but in Canada and plus in Europe, in many parts of Europe, I'm sure, where, you know, it's obviously showing uh, the weakness, the financial weakness. Here in the United States, it's even probably more. I'm not too sure about Europe. I'm going to have to look into that. But the reports are showing the financial stress. The doors are closed, so nobody's donating, donating money. The situation was even worse before because of the sex scandals and 
uh, legal uh, factors involved in it. So let's begin with the report. Uh, U.S. Washington, U.S. Bishops Conference, the USCCB, is informing American prelates, uh, bishops, that it is safe to distribute Holy Communion on the tongue. This guidance came in the form of a USCCB memorandum sent April 30th to all U.S. bishops by the Committee on Divine Worship Chairman Archbishop Leonard Blair of Hartford. That would be Hartford, Texas, I believe. Universally binding instruction titled Redemptionus Sacramentum, sorry, my line's weak, issued in 2004 by Congregation of Divine Worship, CDW. We have carefully considered the question of communion on the tongue versus communion in the hand, given the Church's existing guidance on this point. See Redemption Sacramentum, number 92, and recognizing the differing judgments and sensibilities that are involved, we believe that with the precautions listed here, it is impossible to distribute on the tongue without unreasonable risk. Th these guidelines titled Phase Restoration of Public Masses, which Phase Restoration of Public Masses, which were contain contained in the memorandum, were prepared by the Thomistic Institute on at the Dominican House of Studies in Washington Institute. The guidelines were established by the Institute's working group consisting of priests and medical doctors, including infectious specialists. Dr. Timothy Flanagan. The working group also contained three theologians as well as the son of the late Supreme Court, Anton, Anton Scalia, Father Paul Scalia, uh, Anthony Scalia. He, was, uh, he, he passed away a few years ago. And his son, uh, Father Paul Scalia, he's a Jesuit. Surprising, I'm not too crazy about Jesuits, but he's one of the few that are good out there. Um, who is the vicar of the for the clergy of the Diocese of Arlington, Virginia. The Institute related that its guidelines were in turn reviewed by four other medical doctors as well. In his memo, Blair noted the guidelines specify what medical precautions are deemed necessary while distributing the Blessed Sacrament. Determining local sol uh, solutions will require uh, prudential judgment, as well as respect for sound liturgical practices, and above all, respect for the matter and form of the sacrament, said uh, Archbishop Leonard Blair. The guidelines stipulate what a priest may do if he senses that his fingers touch a person's hands or mouth. He he may also arrange for an abolition cup to be on the table and may purify his fingers in the abolition cup before using hand sanitizers, stated the guidelines. Priests are much more likely to touch the hands of a, 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 a communicant rather than their tongue, remarked Father Jeffrey Rabideau. Were I did give communion in the hand, I touch each and every hand, related Father uh, Rabideau. Uh, Rabide 
with the tongue, I very rarely have any contact as described above. So you tell me which one is safer. Well, it's true. Um, there's more bacteria in our hand. We touch everything. We touch the doorknobs. We touch uh, car doors. We touch um, handrails. Um, we're constantly shaking hands with people. Uh, you never know if the person you're shaking hands with uh, properly washed their hands after going to the bathroom. We never know if, um, you know, the handrails in the subway have more bacteria on them. And on the buses, they have more bacteria on them. And doctors have pointed out that our our immune system is constantly, uh, has to be, uh, is constantly reading, getting information from bacteria every single time. That's why it's this whole quarantine thing and this whole um, problem with, with uh, keeping people indoors and the social distancing is not actually helping with our health uh but some people i think just uh who are i think more obsessive control people uh real control mongrels i call them because they love all this because they want they um they want to uh reform the world because we've had some democratic lawmakers say we have the opportunity to reshape everything into our image I guarantee you that doesn't that that is not a good thing. The Nazis said the same thing. So did the communists uh, after after the uh, nineteen eighteen. All right. So the church teaching is that one must follow their informed conscience. All right. The guidelines add it is not necessary over forever for him to use hand sanitizer between each communicant unless he makes actual contact. This last point contradict, contradicts an assertion made by F Fourth Worth Bishop Michael Olson, while forbidding his priest to distribute communion on the tongue. In his directive, April 29th, Olson claimed that Wuhan virus was passed on to the priest's hand without contact. I'm asking that the venerable custom of receiving Holy Communion on the tongue not be done during this period of pandemic. My reasoning for this is that the current expert opinion regarding the transmission of COVID-19 is that the virus is passed through small droplets in a person's breath received in close contact between people such as that of the hand of a minister of, of the Eucharist and the communicant's mouth. All right, here's the thing. This has been done for thousands and thousands of years, for 2,000 years, all right? It has been done for centuries. We've gone through the Black Plague. We've gone through every single plague. We've even gone through typhoid crisis. We've gone through all of this. And these guys are just taking the opportunity like if this is the first pandemic in the human history and to actually use this for their so-called uh, political social changes. You know, they're using, you know, they're treating people like sheep. These guys are wrong, all right? The human body is made to handle 
constant. The human immune system is made to handle constant uh, changes. All right. Viruses and plagues. That's what the immune system is made for. That's what God gave us an immune system. And these guys are acting like if this is the first time uh, a pandemic. All right, we go through it every year, through every cold. Every cold is a coronavirus. Every flu is a coronavirus. They're all different, but they all have similarities. They all operate almost in a similar manner. This one, obviously, we don't know the full origin of it, but many of us have suspicion that this was possibly an experiment in a lab that got out. A church militant reported on Tuesday that Olson's priests who continued administering Holy Communion on the tongue were then strictly forbidden by him from continu continuing to do so. The guidelines in Blair's memorandum also contradict an April 22nd directed by Bishop Robert Carover of uh, Lubbock, Texas, who instituted the use of paper cups for the distribution of Holy Communion during parking lot mass. You can't do that. That's not, that's not, you can't do that. You can't use paper cups. You can't use paper, uh, little tissues. You can't use paper plates. You can't do any of those things. You have to give communion properly the way it's always been done from the time of the upper room 2,000 years ago. How, how, how these guys are doing it is absolutely violates communion. It, vi it violates it. They're trying to rechange and trying to reinvent it. They can't do that. This goes to show you how weak the bishops are theologically and liturgically. This, this is proof. This is actually revealing a lot of weaknesses in these men. That they were trained badly, theologically trained. They're badly formed. The one thing this is proving is how bad they are theologically and liturgically. And it shows their lack of love for the Holy Communion and their lack of understanding of the real presence. This is the, because one thing that would happen after Vatican II, 1963, and onward after 1968, when the new Novus Ordo Mass was, was finally enforced, was that it was basically to Protestantize the church. This is why some, some altars look like kitchen tables. They don't look like altars. The altars used to be attached to where the tabernacle is. It wasn't a freestanding altar. All right. And, uh, you know, and, you know, that's why the priest is back to us was not because we couldn't see what he was doing. We weren't allowed to see what he was doing. The priest was to lead us in prayer. We were led to prayer. The altars used to face east. And then what happened afterward, they decided to make it a freestanding altar following uh, Protestants, and it became a, like a kitchen table. The uh, It's really sad, unbelievable. Okay, so continuing from here. Um, Corvera's directives include that the number of hosts will be taken from the uh, the cerebrium and placed in one of those small paper cups and handed to one person in the car, avoiding all physical contact. He added some parishes might need to make use of paper products other than cups for the distribution of communion. The matter of how to administer is not open to negotiation. That's true. 
the Vatican's chief liturgical, Cardinal Robert Serra, on Saturday blasted similar profane methods employed by in distributing the Eucharist. The matter of how to administer is not open to negotiation, said the head of the CDW. All right. He publicly corrected church leaders throughout the world who are misdirecting par parishioners to receive Holy Communion in the hand, only supposed to avoid passing on the contagion. Some prelates are withholding the Blessed Sacrament from parishioners who insist on receiving Holy Communion on the tongue. The Bishop of Little Rock, Arkansas, Bishop Anthony Taylor, yes, this is the one I, I, I was trying to remember, fell into this category. His statement issued May 4th reads, No communion on the tongue. Those who are unwilling to receive on the hand make a spiritual communion instead. While some may view communion on the tongue to be a right, these are extraordinary times and attention to the common good takes pre precedence over personal preferences. The only exception is those who attend the traditional Latin Mass for whom reception on the hand is not an op option. Bishops and clerics should not be forcing parishioners to violate their will, well-informed conscience, says Father Richard, uh, Father Ra uh, Rabido. Most striking is the bishop who says that they will have to receive in the hand even if it violates their conscience. Church teaching is, not, is that one must follow their informed conscience. If the communicant believe that they must receive on the tongue and the priest believes he must place it in the hand who wins we must who must violate their conscience and who sins while taylor admits liturgical law at least regarding the extraordinary form of the mass trumps his directive sarah insists universal church law always trumps the directives of any bishop who may attempt to ban parishioners from receiving Holy Communion on the tongue. There is already a rule in the church, and this this is this is already a rule in the church, and this must be respected, Sarah, Cardinal Sarah affirmed. The faithful are free to receive communion in the mouth or in the hand. Alright. So that's it. So what you know this is revealing the problem. This is revealing the coronavirus is actually showing a lot of weaknesses within the church, a great many weaknesses within the church, because a lot of our bishops, a lot of our priests are not theologically well trained. They're more they're more trained in a sense to be sensitive to trends of the times than they are in uh trained to understand the theology and, 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 and the mind of Christ and his church. All right, communion in hand, I personally don't like it because I think it, you know, we do not have consecrated hands, though I will respect the law of the church. The church says if one wants communion in hand, they can receive it. But the problem you have to understand is, is that communion in hand has lessened lessened the real presence to a lot of people. This is a Protestant method of receiving communion. And mo and reason why it was done, it was done during the Reformation in order to destroy the sacredness of the real presence. A lot of people, I saw documentaries where people thought it put power in your hands. It's not about power. It's about presence. It's about the real presence of your Lord. 
the body's blood, soul, and divinity, the resurrected Christ. And leading communion to hand has led to a lot of liturgical abuses, even Satanists taking the sacred consecrated host and to, to blaspheme it in a, in, a, in a satanic cult. This has been proven. It has happened. So um, I'm going to try to, uh, there's some several other articles here. Um, there's here the report, and I would like to read this report. Uh, let me see here. Okay. This is another article, and it's May 4th. I'm going to read this for the next episode, actually. I'm going to take care of this for another one because it's long. And uh, I think uh, we this deserves more attention. So uh, let's end it with an Our Father, and I'll continue this in, an, uh, in another report. And our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. 